Your internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. Wait, Mac, you feeling okay? Fine. Hey guys, this is Dimly. <laughs> I'm back for another round. Well, actually, I haven't been on this podcast before. Yeah, Dimly was a guest on the Gem Jam quite a bit, usually pinch hitting for Mac, which they are doing again because Mac's not here. And this is Date Me, Damn It, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone cold facts since 1986. Annie, you got the name of the show wrong. <laughs> no swearing on this podcast no there's lots of swearing on this podcast okay good <laughs> we bleep out the f**ks but that's about it and this is i won't fight you <laughs> <laughs> a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone cold facts since 1986 you sound like you're about to burst into tears <laughs> i might we're having a wonderful time here folks today's fact let chris hemsworth be charming god damn it we're in the perfect psychological place to be talking about this it's fine <laughs> To prove that we're talking about Huntsman Winter's War with Kid has assured us is a good idea, and I'm still not sure now. It wasn't. Listen, this movie is carried entirely on Jessica Chastain's shoulders, and that's fine. I spent $7.50 on this. Well, you got two movies out of it, so it's more like you spent $3.25. Is Snow White and the Huntsman, is that a movie? It's a movie more than it is a film. Well, that's fair. I also watched the extended edition I watched it too. The one on Netflix is the standard version, and I've watched both. How many times have you watched Huntsman Winter's War at this point? I think this would have been the third, maybe fourth. Kit. Listen. I watched it one time, and I thought that perhaps in preparation I should watch it again, but I decided not to. So was this movie actually direct to DVD because it really feels like it? No, this got a theatrical release. Really? I never heard about it. Yeah, you're not alone. That's why it didn't do very well. This movie came out a year after Crimson Peak, in which Jessica Chastain played, like, one of the female leads, Lucille Sharp, Tom Hiddleston's sexy sister, I guess. And here she's Sarah. Not actually dead. The unfridged wife. Yeah. So, yeah, this movie clearly entered pre-production right after Frozen made a million billion dollars. So they were trying to invert tropes? I guess? I don't think... There's a lot about this movie that I'm sure was not deliberate. I think what they decided to do was... Charlie's Theron and Chris Hemsworth sure made a lot of money, right? Did, did we decide that this was their vehicle, I guess, said the producers? Well, Kristen Stewart, they wanted her for this movie, but she kept turning it down because the scripts were bad, which, yeah. Good for her, frankly. So this is a movie that doesn't give a shit about the one that came before it. Yeah, absolutely no shits. Ravenna has a whole sister. Her brother just kind of disappears. A whole sister. A whole sister. The entire villain monologue before her brother was killed in the last one is completely kiboshed. The Huntsman has a name now. It's like someone wrote a fanfic sequel to the last one and decided to focus on a lot of miscellaneous shit mm. oh yeah and introduce a bunch of ocs that were there all long and important to the plot but no one talked about them yeah okay anyway this movie starts with our favorite thing narration and voiceover by liam neeson who is completely uncredited also like instead of the globe on the universal logo it, it's the mirror the globe turns gold it does not deserve it and liam neeson's like remember the original movie everyone's like no and he's like neither do we here's a recap yeah and they go from the recap of the last movie to reintroducing Ravenna's whole thing because nobody remembers the last movie and we have to reiterate that she kills dudes. Well, I guess they can get away with rewriting everything because no one remembers the first one. So Ravenna plays sexy chess. It's not even like strip chess. It's just like footsie chess. 
Oh, God, there's definitely a foot fetish moment in this movie, and I don't like it. Yeah, it's weird. Quentin Tarantino just, like, sat up in bed. I have a question. Was the director of this one the same as the director of the last one? No. Mm. Cedric Nicholas Troyan. He was uh, visual effects on Snow White and the Huntsman. He has four directing credits. Two of them are in pre-production, and the third is Huntsman Winter's War, and the fourth is a short from 2011 called Carrot vs. Ninja. <laughs> what a repertoire. Didn't Snow White and the Huntsman win an award for visual effects? It was nominated, and I'm not sure that was deserved. The costuming nomination was deserved. The visual effects, not so much. So he got nominated and they were like, all right, you'll be the director now. The last guy was a PR disaster, so we're just going to get, like, someone with no history. While we're talking about the costuming here, I want to talk how disappointed I was in most of the costuming in this movie. There's a distinct lack of bird skulls. It's a hard act to follow. This is her husband she's playing sexy chess with, and, like, he immediately, like, Bleh. She poisoned him with her feet. There's layers to that. Anyway, then it's time for the king's funeral, which this is one of Ravenna's only good costumes. It's blue? It's blue. She wore blue to a funeral. Hmm. Listen, Ravenna is the kind of person who shows up to a funeral looking like she killed the guy who died because she usually did. And that's when we also learned that Ravenna has a sister named Freya. Hey, remember Finn, her brother for the last movie? Because this movie doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Remember how, like, when he died, she, like freaked out and like had some kind of psychic link that maybe also physically injured her yeah he's just not here nobody mentions him look that also means that they took away that particular breed of creepy incest vibes they just replaced it with a different breed of creepy incest vibes anyway freya likes a boy and that's no good i mean true and also she doesn't have magic and that's also terrible except for venice like you'll find the source of your power as i found mine she didn't though This movie sort of implies that her power is more of an inborn thing and doesn't really mention how she got it, as per the last movie. Where her mom was like, three drops of blood, something, something, bird magic. Also, uh, having evil bird magic makes you able to cast Detect Pregnancy. It's a free cast once per day. Freya's pregnant and her boy is engaged to somebody else. And she's like, no, he loves me. He'll leave her for me. And oh, we know how this goes. So she gives birth to the baby as Liam Neeson is like, love blinds, even the clearest eye, whatever the hell that means. The voiceover is a little inconsistent about the moral of the thing. It just changes depending on what's happening. The word love features into the theme somewhere, but no one's ever quite sure how. Anyway, she eventually gets a letter from her beau that says that he's totally gonna leave his betrothed and they're gonna go get married in the royal garden and then get their baby and get the fuck out. So Freya goes down to the garden and okay, this is a movie that sets babies on fire, I guess. Yeah, so like she goes down to the garden and then she goes back up the stairs because like it's not like anything needed to happen in the garden. She just needed to like leave the castle for five seconds. They show the crib. We don't actually see the baby. Baby corpse, which thank you, movie, for not doing that. Baby daddy evaporated the baby, apparently. Baby daddy is still here, by the way. He was caught by some guards, I guess, and she confronts him. And Ravenna's like, Freya, no, don't go in there. Help, police, murder. She is to Freya as, like, Willy Wonka is to Augustus Gloop. Uh, what does he say? He says something to the effect of, I had to. By the way, this guy is played by the guy what's in Merlin. What? He was Merlin in BBC's Merlin. So Merlin torches infants. I guess. Do you think they paid him by the hour? Because he's not in the movie for much longer. (laughs) So Freya has a breakdown and screams and he turns into ice and breaks into a million pieces. 
Yay! She's got ice powers. Now the movie can start. Toe to tip that to Jadis. Freya's like, well, I've got ice magic and my baby died. So I guess I need to leave now. And Liam Neeson's like, Freya left home to go to a northern kingdom. For if she could not raise a child, then in its place she would raise an army. Oh my god! This is the line that sold me on the Scarbo movie. Like, are you kidding me? Okay. So we get to the northern villages and they're being pillaged by, I guess, the soldiers that she took from Ravenna's kingdom. And um, she's stealing children? Raise an army doesn't require you to raise child soldiers. That's not how that phrase works, but that's how Freya took it. We have these these child actors. There's one who is like, I feel bad for this kid because he is so specifically styled to look like Chris Hemsworth, but a baby. And he looks nothing like Chris Hemsworth. No. They bring all of the children into a big room. Freya comes out in her, all her Snow Queen glory and uh, tells them the law of the land. Love is illegal. This movie can't seem to decide whether Freya's whole thing is love is a lie, love is bad, or love is a sin. It can't seem, it just like bounces wildly between those three for her motivation. Love, bad. Love, bad. Can we just talk about how like boring ass Freya's look is? She's a fucking ice queen. There's so much you can do with that. And she just went for like blue dress. Listen, Frozen came out three years before this movie and made a million billion dollars. And I wouldn't say that the designs in Frozen were very inspired. They had to ride that into the ground. Oh, they're going to still ride it. Frozen 2 comes out this year, kids. Oh, I hate that. I was hoping that that was fake news. Anyway, the narration tells us that this is Freya's army of huntsmen. That's right. The huntsman isn't called that because he's a guy who hunts in the woods. He's called that because he was kidnapped as a child and initiated into the gigantic secret army of the ice queen why are they called huntsmen what does that have to do with ice now see he was called the huntsman in the first movie therefore the huntsman must be the name of this big stupid army and then we have like a huge training montage where the boy and the girl keep making eye contact which means they're in love i guess one of the kids just throws a sword that's not what you do with swords I do like that this movie does show that Sarah's fingers uh, are all chewed up to shit by bowstrings. There's three kids here that the training montage focuses on. Eric, who is the boy who looks nothing like Chris Hemsworth. Sarah, the girl who kind of looks like Jessica Chastain. And Tall, the only black character in the movie. You get the feeling that Tall may have had like a bigger role at some stage in the writing process. But as it is, he's just sort of like the one that doesn't be a good guy. Until the end of the movie. Right. Freya does not focus on Tall at all, even though, like, the movie tries to a little bit. Like, there's a point where she's straight up like, the boy and the girl, who are they? Which ones? The best ones! Which is what I sound like when I'm deciding on which characters I'm gonna ship in a show. This boy and this girl keep making eye contact. We must make sure they never fall in love. Is, is this a good time to talk about Eric? Yes, in the first movie, the Huntsman didn't actually have a name. He was just the Huntsman. So in this movie, we are hit over the head at every opportunity with his name. Which is Eric. May I remind you, that's the same name as the Phantom of the Opera, and it is equally ill-fitting here. They might as well have just named him Chad. I think I would have preferred it if he were named Chad. Maybe Skylar? This is my Huntsman, Skylar. Now be back by six o'clock, you have soccer practice tonight. We do find out that the queen uh, has, like, a CGI owl made out of ice that she watches all of her children through. And it's very, 
Very bad looking. Yeah, she's got a special, like, mask that she puts on to watch through the owl's eyes, and it's bad. It looks like a porcelain owl, and when it gets broken, it, it is a porcelain owl. So she just has a magic porcelain owl, because that's not conspicuous. And Eric grows up into Chris Hemsworth, and he has a baby face. He doesn't have a beard yet. They I... shaved his beard down to stubble, and it's it's a crime. But hey, did you miss Chris Hemsworth? He's here, and he's got a personality now. And Jessica Chastain is in this movie, and her Scottish accent is okay-ish. <laughs> yeah, we're bringing back the weird, vaguely Scottish accents. Yeah, but only Jessica Chastain and Chris Hemsworth have them. None of the other huntsmen have them. Yeah, that is something that I definitely noticed. The important thing is that Chris Hemsworth is all big and grown up now, and he's good with kids. Oh no, Jessica Chastain doesn't stand a chance. A new load of children has come in, and he has to talk a little girl out of the uh, wagon. Ah, he's very good with kids. No. By telling her to make a mean face. This movie's garbage. He can't be good with kids. What's happening here? So the queen has sent her army of huntsmen to wage war against the kings in the north for some reason. Okay, so in the first movie there was like that monologue that the huntsman does while Snow White's sort of lying dead on the bier and he talks about how he went off to quote the wars and then he came back and then his wife healed him of his PTSD and then she died. And this kind of vaguely fits that framework but I'm absolutely certain that it is not what the original screenwriter was thinking of when they wrote that monologue. (laughs) Especially considering his wife was also in the wars. It feels like it was kind of in the middle of the wars that they uh, hang out in a hot spring and were like, we're married now. She gives him her mother's necklace and they kiss and I guess they do it probably. I'm very upset because nobody was like standing higher up in the hot spring. I could have seen more of Chris Hemsworth's chest (laughs) in a hot spring. I have needs. He's good with kids. But the ceramic owl is there. Yeah, ceramic owl watches your f***ing hot spring. Uh, It's 20 minutes into the movie and they're already married, so this can only go well. They also give, like, these weird wedding vows. Jessica Chastain says that she lived for her mom, and now she lives for Chris Hemsworth. Hmm. If they're gonna write their own wedding vows, at least they didn't talk about fitting, like, puzzle pieces. I've been to so many freaking weddings. So they decide to make a plan to leave. Yeah, just like, well, suicide pact, I guess. (laughs) Literally, though. (laughs) I give you my life and my death. Stand or fall. I'll never leave your side, says Chris Hemsworth. And the narrator says he left her side. Like an always sunny title card. They go to get their stuff and they start walking across the courtyard towards each other. And whoops. A bunch of huntsmen appear. And then so does Freya. The problem is that they're all now wearing the exact same clothes because I guess it was a uniform. So now I'm just not going to be able to tell anybody apart in this fight. It's fine. Jessica Chastain has red hair. and Chris Hemsworth is very tall. <laughs> but the colors are all washed out in this movie. The red hair is the only thing I have to go on. So Freya makes an ice wall. She's like, oh, if you two can reach each other across the courtyard, you can be together. So there's a, an inordinately long sequence of them fighting towards each other, which is pointless because we know they're going to not do it anyway. But I do want to point out that during that fight scene, Chris Hemsworth is just like throwing haymakers and Jessica Chastain is doing a lot of flips and shit because that's how girls fight in movies because Joss Whedon has a lot to answer for. Mm. 
when they're winning, Freya puts up the ice wall. And it's a magic ice wall. No, we don't know that. She uses ice magic. It's a magic ice wall that, like, shocks them both so much that Mom put up an ice wall. They're like, <gasps> and then Chris Hemsworth looks to the other side and sees Jessica Chastain just gets stabbed by Tall. And she falls <laughs> down against the ice wall, dead. And then he tries to punch his way through the ice wall. Because he's Chris Hemsworth. And the ice wall does crack in a few places and get bloody, but it doesn't really do anything else. And then he gets knocked out and then shoved off a cliff. <laughs> Paul tosses him in an icy river where he's definitely going to die in like five seconds. The implication is that him getting hit on the head once has killed him and then throw him in a river. I feel like maybe some due diligence should have been done. So there's this thing here where like Liam Neeson is like, love, love is nothing more than a fairy tale. And as Chris Hemsworth tumbles down river, as that line is going, the shot lingers on tall, watching him with what seems like longing. <laughs> mm. I did notice that. Was Tall supposed to be into Chris Hemsworth? I, There's a lot about this movie that's just not deliberate. Has he had any lines yet? I don't think he has. He has when he was a child. It's also really hard to buy that Jessica Chastain actually dies here. She's on the DVD cover. Well, maybe it's like a scream thing. I actually did think that maybe she did die because, I mean, that's what happens to women in movies, right? Right. The scene with Tall, I sort of wondered if that meant that he knew that Eric was still alive. But then he threw him in a river, so he's like, well, he's definitely dead now. <laughs> Listen, if you're in a movie and you fall from a great height into literally any body of water, you live. Sassy survived the waterfall. Sassy's fine. Child me cried so hard. Anyway, back to this movie. Okay, so here's where the movie diverges with the extended version versus the theatrical cut. The theatrical cut at this point cuts right to Chris Hemsworth leaving a little flower on the cairn that he made for Sarah out in the woods. The extended cut actually has, we see the mirror in a cart. You know, the mirror from the last movie. It's okay if you don't remember the last movie, guys. <laughs> It's in a cart and it's being transported and then like the cover falls off the mirror and there's some like whispering and stuff and then violence happens and then it cuts to an establishing character moment that I really like. Yeah, actually. Because it serves to like reestablish Eric after the trauma and recovery sort of type situation. He's running through the woods. It looks like he's hunting a deer and instead he shoots a poacher in the leg, sasses them and then steals their horse. I'm upset that I watched the Netflix version. I mean, you did get a shorter movie. Oh, that's true. Anyway, now we cut to where the theatrical cut picks up, which is Eric leaving a little flower on his wife's little funeral cairn that he made out in the woods where he lives. He lives in the woods. He lives in the woods. It's fine. The whole thing in the first movie, and now he lives in the woods. He's just in the woods. It's fine. <laughs> it's not the dark forest, so he upgraded. It's just the woods. Anyway, William shows up. You know, William from the last movie, it's okay if you don't remember the last movie. William shows up, and it turns out that Snow White married him, and he's Prince Consort now. Sure, it's okay if you don't remember the last movie, but is it also okay if you remember the last movie but barely remember William? And William calls the huntsman Eric. <laughs> it's like, it must have been at, like, the coronation, like, before he leaves in the back room, he, like, comes up and he's like, by the way, my name's Eric, nice to meet you, <laughs> goodbye forever. <laughs> He asks him how he was found, because I guess his location is a secret. I mean, he does live in the woods. It's hard to find someone they just list their address as the woods. 
It turns out that William was able to find the Huntsman because... No, 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 Eric. Eric. He was able to find Eric. We have to say his name as much as humanly possible. They practically turn to the camera and be like, his name is Eric. Anyway, hey, do you remember Nick Frost dwarf from the last movie? It's okay if you don't remember the last movie, but Nick Frost is here. I actually didn't realize that Nick Frost was a dwarf in the last movie. <laughs> But I do realize it now. And he brought Rob Brydon. I don't know who that is. Well, he wasn't in the last movie. He's a, a British actor and comedian, uh, Welsh, I believe. But apparently Nick Frost sold Eric out for three whole gold. It turns out that, uh, you know, the mirror from the last movie that Ravenna had, it's like a big piece of like polished brass. The mirror that we just saw in the extended edition. It, it's evil. It's evil, and apparently it drives you mad, which is definitely not something it used to do, but I guess it does now, and it now always has done that. And then we get the only scene of Snow White in the movie. Where we don't see her face because Kristen Stewart said no. She's facing the mirror and, like, clawing at it with her fingernails. I guess she just got left alone with the mirror. A lot. Good job, husband. <laughs> I guess she kept her faculties about her enough to know that she needed to get rid of the thing. Anyway, the point is the mirror's out of the castle and was in transport and now it's gone and nobody can find it. And then Chris Hemsworth is like, that's enough talking, time for action. And I throws an axe at a porcelain owl. It fakes out that Eric is going to attack William with an axe, despite the fact that the conversation was like not leading up to that at all. There's no tension there. And then he chucks the axe at an owl over his shoulder. And it breaks into a million ceramic pieces and he picks one up. And it's like, now she knows about the mirror. I do want to quickly point out that there's a bit in here where the two dwarves get introduced. Nyon and Griff are their names. And Nyon introduces Griff by saying he's my brother. And then Griff says half brother. And then they both at the same time say same mom. And that's like genuinely funny and probably improvised. <laughs> and also like their ponies that they're riding are just horses that have been photoshopped to be little. And it bothers me. <laughs> Eric is like, well, I know that she knows about the mirror now, and that means shit just got real, so I guess I gotta go find the mirror, even though I said I didn't want to. And then the dwarves decide that they're coming with him. With their little horses. So meanwhile, Freya now has the entirety of the White Lands, whatever that is. Anywhere that the snow touches, I guess. Except the elephant graveyard. All of Canada. Half of it's frozen, but that's fine. We burned your fries, so we gave you extra. Permafrost. Can't build on that. So Freya has now, like, finished looking through her owl. Tall is also here, I guess. And then she just says, maybe to Tall, maybe to nobody. Like, have I won? The game's not finished. She's not going to stop with the North. She wants everything, I guess, despite the fact that... And Tall points this out. You can't take over Snow White's kingdom. It too big. Also, we see that Freya, in the intervening seven years, has now got a whole hall full of ice people that she has frozen because I guess she's just straight off curving off of the White Witch's thing now. Blind the Witch in the Wardrobe didn't do so bad in the box office. Let's do it. And then she's like, well, let's take the mirror. It holds great power, apparently. So she's like, I'm going to save all the children in the world and make a make a big child army even bigger. I like how this movie took like the element of the Snow Queen that was jettisoned from Frozen and just built a whole movie on it, which is the Steel's children bit. I wonder how Frozen would have been if Elsa stole children. More interesting. <laughs> anyway, we cut back to uh, Eric and the dwarves. I feel like they wanted to do like the Lord of the Rings helicopter shots, them walking along the top of mountains and stuff, but they didn't have the budget for 
forth. So it's just them riding down a dirt road. There's some fun back and forth between Eric and the dwarves where like Griff is making fun of him and then Eric makes fun of him back. And it's like, ooh, I'm talking to the dirt, etc., etc. And then Eric like buys into the bit. And he's like, oh, the dirt's talking to me again. And it's, it's actually kind of fun. Yeah, I have this note here. I don't have any context for these bullet points in hindsight. I should have had that. But I have these two bullet points for this whole scene, which is, oh no, Chris Hemsworth is being charming. Oh no. And they ride west towards the woods. And that's all that I guess was important to record. Anyway, the crime scene is just like a huge freaking massacre with like crows and like wolves everywhere. And Chris Hemsworth like flashbacks to the battle that he wasn't there for. Yeah, he does like a Sherlock Holmes reconstruction. BBC Sherlock Holmes, unfortunately. At least he's better looking than Benedict Cumberbatch. He comes to the conclusion that they all turned on each other, and it turns out the mirror left a fucking scorch mark on the grass. He also just finds some gunk on a sword and just touches it and smells it. I was expecting him to lick it. Yeah, I was expecting him to put that stuff in his fucking mouth. I was 100% expecting him to put it in his mouth. Because, like, he's already doing the Aragorn shit, and Aragorn put everything in his mouth. Then they find, like, where the mirror was lying and a corpse next to it, and the corpse has, like, a gold spearhead with a diamond in it in his back. And I don't think that would be particularly effective, but whatever. Yeah, because it's not like the arrowhead is diamond itself. That would make some modicum of sense. This is a gold arrowhead with a little bit of a diamond encrusted in it, like a Swarovski crystal. Gold's real soft. Diamond's real hard. Should have been the other way around, maybe. Anyway, it's time for the D&D tavern scene. <laughs> you gotta have it in. Also, you gotta talk about fuckable women. <sighs> There's an extraordinarily unnecessarily long bit where Griff and Nyon talk about how ugly dwarf women are, and I hate it. They just talk about how ugly dwarf women are, and as someone who likes Dragon Age a lot, you shut your stupid mouth. <laughs> Since it's a D&D tavern scene, here's some random tavern troublemakers who aren't so random. They come in and they start like poking fun at the dwarves and the huntsmen being like, oh, well, you're obviously really far from home. Ha ha. Dwarves here in a place where dwarves are common enough that we can recognize them, I guess. And like Eric's doing this thing where he's like, you can tell he's trying not to get into a fight because he just smiles and laughs at every rude thing these motherfuckers say. And then the dwarves blab about how he's the huntsman. That doesn't mean anything. And then they're all like, we're all huntsmen? And there's actually a really good bit here where the dwarves turn to Chris Hemsworth and say, sorry. And he's like, it's all right. And then there's a bar fight because there's got to be a bar fight. It's all dimly lit. There's not very good lighting. You can't tell who's punching who until they go outside. Chris Hemsworth loses the bar fight. I think he lost the bar fight in the first movie, too. I think he's just bad at bar fights. <laughs> the one huntsman was like, you might have been good in your day, but now you're not. You suck. You betrayed the queen. Fucker. <laughs> And just when he's about to eat it, a mysterious figure appears. They start, like, spin kicking and stabbing people. And has, like, an antler sword thing. Because it's Sarah. Jessica Chastain's back in the movie now. She was out of this movie for a grand total of, what, 10, 15 minutes? I was expecting longer, so I'm cool with this, actually. Can we have more movies where the wife gets unfridged? Please. But yeah, she knocks Eric out, like, real easy. And then when he regains consciousness, her first words to him are, You've aged. The dwarves have a bit about how many times Eric's been hit in the head so far. You've been hit in the head like seven times. How are you not dead? And he's like, this is my dead wife. And they're like, yep, definitely hit in the head too many times. And she's like, I'm sorry, you're dead, wife? <laughs> you told people I was dead? Was that a pickup line? What's happening here? 
She has a very crude way of asking if it was a pickup line. Wet the eyes of many, alas, maybe more than their eyes. Gross. He's like, no, no, I saw Tull kill you. And she's like, Tull could never kill me. Implying that he has more of a character than is shown. I think there's one of two ways you can take that. One, Tull would never kill Sarah because he cares about Sarah. Two, Tull could never kill Sarah because he's not good enough at fighting to kill Sarah. I'm pretty sure it was number two. And she has lots of knives, as we find out when Eric manages to pin her to the floor and she just pulls another knife and holds it to his throat. To which there's another really good bit where he turns to the dwarves and goes, she's got another knife. And they're like, uh, yeah, we probably should have mentioned that. She's also got two more in her boots. And then Sarah gets them right in the nads. And they do like, arr, I hate you. What else? I love you. Arr, I'm angry. Yeah, apparently the magic ice wall was more magic than anticipated because Eric saw Sarah die and Sarah saw Eric leave her. After that, she was locked in Freya's dungeon for seven years before she managed to escape. The only thing that she wanted to do was find him and tell him off, I guess. Presumably kill him? I don't know. We cut back to Freya just so that we know that she doesn't like fire. She has an ice crib. (laughs) She has an empty ice crib that she sits next to and is sad. (laughs) Is she yelling at the man bring the fire in because fire is bad and this is some kind of an allusion to the fact that it can't be near her? Or does she just not want her ice crib to melt? I mean, it could go either way. An attendant hands her her owl mask so she can do owl spying things that's not really going to come up. But in the meantime, Chris Hemsworth just wants to talk about feelings. Now begins the part of the movie where Eric is constantly like, but you do love me, Jessica Chastain. I believe in love. And it gets old real quick. The charming aspect of Chris Hemsworth Hemsworth is not really shining through in those scenes. Yeah, no. I feel like in the first one, when it's fresh, yes, the rest of it, it starts to get real freaking pushy. They're walking through the woods and uh, the dwarves spot a net trap, like a big Star Wars net trap that they quickly disable. Because the, they got one in the first movie. Yeah, and they were like, haha, we're so clever. And then they get stuck in a secondary trap because you always check for secondary traps. And then we get our female dwarves. Yay! There's lady dwarves. There's never lady dwarves. And the male dwarves and the female dwarves call each other a lot of real vulgar shit that they can get away with because it's an American movie that they don't know how British swears work. Their names are Mrs. Bromwin and Dorina. I love Mrs. Bromwin. Mrs. Bromwin is the best. I love her. She wants to see Chris Hemsworth's shirt off. It's fair. This again cements the fact that that for some reason, female dwarves and male dwarves hate each other and they want to bang the humans, I guess. <sighs> there should be a lot more half dwarves wandering around. Right? You'd think. Anyway, this kicks off a whole thing where like, oh no, Chris Hemsworth and Jessica Chastain landed on top of each other. And then Mrs. Bromwin comes along to flirt with Chris Hemsworth and it's awesome. And then he shows off the like golden spearhead with the diamond in it. And then they cut them down because, oh, that's a goblin spearhead. And the dwarves don't believe in goblins. (laughs) All this other stuff in this fantasy world, there's giant trolls, there's like friggin' unicorns, there's an elk lord of the forest a stag but goblins that's stupid we know where the goblins are they probably got the mirror we take you to the goblins blah 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 mrs bromwin is like right now i just gotta go kill these he dwarves and we can leave and eric's like no don't i like them the only reason he could come up with to not kill them is i don't know i like them i guess (laughs) the delivery on that line is really good and she's just like fair enough So at this point, they're like, hey, do you guys remember the end of the Fellowship of the Rings with all the boats? Let's pair up in couples boats. (laughs) 
they have three boats. They just have three boats. And instead of like the lady dwarves getting in one boat and the dude dwarves getting in another boat because they hate each other, they, they all pair off. Mrs. Bronwyn and Griff are like the absolute worst trope that I hate. Oh, God. I hate the most. The thing where they hate each other and then they kiss at the end. It's just, <laughs> I hate it. I mean, at least the other one, they're like, you like chicken? I like chicken. Yeah, they're the sweetest idiots ever. Anyway, Eric has decided that pulling Sarah's pigtails is the best way to bring her back, up to and including pretending to try and capsize the boat. This would have maybe made more sense if there had been any pulling of pigtails in the earlier child scenes, I guess. But instead, it's just a grown man being a jerk. So we get to the goblin layer, and they have to cross over a bridge to Terabithia. Over a stream of molten gold that doesn't really factor into the following scenes nearly as much as you'd expect it to. They just have it. How do they just have that? It's just a goblin thing. It's fine. No one else knows about this? You can just go down and just, like, spare a cup of gold, mister? No, no, no. A lot of people know about this, but they're all dead. That's why all those skeletons are around, right? Also, there's the corpse of a goblin, and it's mentioned that the blood smells like tar, which is going to factor in later, so hope you guys were paying attention. So they find the mirror. Well, first Miss Brondwood finds a ruby on a corpse. Just kind of tucks that into her pocket for later. They find the mirror, and then there's just a goblin here now, and it's like the bit in Jurassic Park 2 where the T-Rex is trying to sniff them through the waterfall. The goblin's sniffing around them until it finds the ruby that Mrs. Bronwyn swiped, and then it gets mad. I guess its vision is based on movement. Or jewels. For all the talk of goblins about whether or not they're real, they don't do anything to actually explain what the hell gobbos are here. They're like, they're real big, too. And basically gorillas. Chris Hemsworth is like, Dwarves, get mirror cover with cloth so no evil? (laughs) Cover with a blanket so it thinks it's night and goes to sleep. And then we get to see Chris Hemsworth fight a CGI goblin. Chris Hemsworth looks very proud of himself like a big excited dog. Yeah, he gets to do backflips and stuff. He does manage to, like, grab the goblin's horns and snap its neck, but not before the goblin calls for help. So now there's more goblins. We have a brief interlude where the necklace comes loose from under Eric's shirt, and then she sees it, and then he's like, I've never taken it off. And then, of course, more goblins. So they try to escape. Jessica Chastain gets, like, grabbed by, like, I think it's supposed to be a vine that's been made into a snare or something anyway she starts getting dragged back and then eric comes back for her and saves her and then they run towards the bridge and then he sends her across the bridge and then he starts hacking the bridge down he's like i'll hold them off and like you know the zombie movie type thing and then he gets immediately swarmed by goblins because of course he does Chris Hemsworth is at his best when he's a complete disaster. It's true. Aside from that one goblin, I don't think he wins a single fight on his own merits. So Jessica Chastain starts stringing up a bow and she's like gonna try to save his life or something. And then she finds some goblin blood, which is basically pitch, I guess. Yeah, she sticks the arrow into a dead goblin's neck. It's the thing that, like, Chris Hemsworth was definitely going to put in his mouth earlier at the crime scene. And she fires a flaming arrow into the goblins, and the goblins explode because their blood is flammable, I guess. What a terrible way to make a creature. She's apparently planning for this because she set the arrow on fire deliberately and then did not seem to realize that blowing up a bunch of critters that are within, like, melee distance of your husband is a bad idea. Yeah, and then she's like, oh, no, what have I done? Oh, no. But it's like, oh, he couldn't possibly be alive. <gasps> what? He's alive? 
She sits down on a rock all sad and teary-eyed, and then he crawls up from the ravine, so I guess the molten gold stream wasn't really all that much of an obstacle. No, he could cross it just fine. He's not even remotely crispy after being blown up. He's mildly singed. And he's just like, you like me. (laughs) Fucking dork. So they take the mirror. William said that the caravan was taking the mirror to sanctuary, right? Yes. Sanctuary is the fairy forest. They kind of get to the outskirts because there's like fairy hedgehogs and stuff. The thing about like these whole scenes in this fairy forest is like, I hate it so much because it makes such a freaking effort to be like, look at these fairies. Look at them, kids. Like they're in the foreground and the background and like your eye keeps being drawn to them like some kind of really hackneyed Stanley cameo. Yeah, but it doesn't really let the sanctuary have its moment like it had in the first movie. My question is, if they're there, where they're supposed to take the mirror, why didn't it work? I think that maybe they had to take it to the heart of sanctuary, but also whatever, this movie doesn't make sense. The white heart of sanctuary? (laughs) (laughs) Don't patronize me. Anyway, they're like, hey, we should just keep going through Nightfall to get to the center of Sanctuary. There's nothing out here that can take us. And then Sarah points out to Eric that you have lost every single fight that you've ever been in. Then he's like, but yeah, but like, we're married. And then she's like, I'm too dark and damaged now. I brooded everything. And he's like, but we're married. Yeah, there's like a whole scene where like he sees the scars on her back because apparently there's scars on her back. There's actually a really good exchange a little bit. You know, Eric's like, well, what else do I have to do? And Sarah points out that like she chooses for herself who she loves. She isn't just waiting for Eric to pass some test. And then it undermines this by having them bang immediately. (laughs) I liked that line too. And then it was just like, nope. Doesn't matter. You couldn't have at least had a couple of days between that conversation and them actually, like, getting back together. You had to do it immediately. Well, they have to do it immediately because they can't take the mirror to the heart of Sanctuary. They panned down and I was like, show the butt, show the butt, show the butt, show the butt. They didn't show the butt. (laughs) At least he got his shirt off. He did. So, you know, there's some redeeming part of this uh, extremely flawed plot point. I guess. The lighting wasn't very good, though. No, it wasn't. And then the next morning we have, like, some weird tension with, like, mirror whispers and knives. Yeah, the mirror's like, hey, Chris Hemsworth, everything floats down here. (laughs) He takes out his knife and Jessica Chastain comes up behind him and then he turns around and goes, have you been true? If not... Please stab me. And I was confused at this point. We have had absolutely no buildup to him finding her suspicious. It's implied that he knew the whole time that, like, she wasn't really an escapee, that she was working for Freya the whole time. But this kind of comes out of nowhere. So what? He was just waiting until they f***ed? I guess. That's kind of scummy. What what was the thesis of this again? I don't know. (laughs) This movie's very confused. Every time that he is actually, like, charming and cute, like, the movie is actually fun and enjoyable. But, like, then we start to get to this again and the movie just starts to get, like, crappy again. So everything starts to frost over and then Freya and the Huntsman arrive. I I wrote a typo here as Huntsman, (laughs) like with an O. And this is maybe the best unintentional comedy I've ever created for myself. It's like when your character dies in D&D, so you just change one letter in the name and it's the same character. Oh, the Huntsman all died. Better have the Huntsman instead. You just go through the vowels. Huntsman. Also, I have no idea what Freya's writing. Is this a bear? Is, this, is it a big cat? It's, is it both? It's like a bear leopard. I'll tell you guys what, though. I watched the gag reel because that seemed like it would be particularly harrowing. And they do show some of the moments from this scene. And she's just on like a big green tank with a saddle. (laughs) 
<laughs> then comes some like super villain exchanges and stuff in which Mrs. Bromwyn calls Freya the, a bitch queen. I like Mrs. Bromwyn. Can Mrs. Bromwyn just be the main character now? Mm, yes. And then she's not the one who gets frozen. No, it's Dorina and Nyon who get frozen. You know, the adorable idiots. Yeah, now we're left with the two ones that hate each other until they kiss. I feel like this movie would have been far better if Mrs. Bromwyn and Griff were the ones that got frozen and it was like Dorina and Nyon who had to save the day. Oh, that'd be very cute. Meanwhile, Chris Hemsworth is like, wait, what, what's the theme of the, what's, what's the theme of this movie? Uh, uh, Freya, love will endure. So yeah, Freya gets the mirror and then has Sarah shoot Eric in the chest. He's dead on the ground. Yeah, he's totally dead, you guys. Completely dead. It's the end of Act 2. Our hero's definitely dead for real. The dwarfs surround him. Because Freya just leaves the corpse there. Why would she just leave the corpse there? She could turn it into a lovely lamp. So they're very sure he's dead. And Mrs. Broadwin's like, take the arrow out. Why would you take the arrow out? If he was shot really badly, aren't you, like, not supposed to do that? Yeah. You're not. They're just like, I don't know, take out the arrow. And then they take out the arrow. And then he's like, that really hurt. He got shot right in the marriage necklace. I feel like that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I guess basically the arrow stuck in the necklace and the necklace turned the arrow into like a blunt arrow that like punched him in the chest but didn't kill him. Shattered a couple ribs. Probably. And so Chris Hemsworth is like, huh. Arrow, necklace, necklace, arrow, nothing ever miss. Narrow, necklace, arrow, necklace, arrow, missing. Necklace, arrow. <gasps> My wife likes me. Oh, God. And he's like, he's riding that dumb adrenaline high for the rest of the movie. It's like when my friend of mine got hit by a car and he showed up to work the next day and just had this weird manic energy the whole time. <laughs> he's convinced, absolutely convinced. And the dwarves are like, no. <laughs> She shot you, dude. And then he's like, I believe in a thing called love. Just listen to the rhythm of the heart. Then he just goes through like a whole freaking thing. I do want to point out that Griff at this point says she's not Cupid. Shooting you is not an expression of love. Cupid exists in this setting? Oh, okay. You did that too. Because John was watching at the time and he was like, wait a minute. And I'm like, we can't stop here. Griff also points out that this is head injury number eight. And then Eric is just, like, manically happy to take on an evil sorceress and her army from this point forward. <laughs> They're like, well, how do we get to the north? And then, like, some of the rando fairies that were wandering around in the foreground of the fairy scenes were just like, hey, by the way, we got you an elk. They will never show up again. We don't even see them riding the elk in, like, a travel scene. This is just to stave off the cinema sins criticism that, oh, we don't know how they got to the north. Little did they know, there is nothing to stave off cinema sins. Because it is a blight upon humanity. So now we're back in the north. And Freya says, Tall, put the dwarves on the gallery and put the mirror in my sanctum. What a line in isolation. It's time to go and stare into the mirror a bunch. Because, hey, you know how they got Charlize Theron for the prologue anyway? There's like all these whispers. And it's been Ravenna's voice this whole time, by the way. The, the subtitles are very helpful in that she is saying actual words. She's like, speak the words. Because there's just words on the mirror now. And there always have been. Shut up. <laughs> and then she says the thing. Mirror, mirror on the wall who's the fairest built them all this this doesn't actually apply to me why am i asking this well because it's Cherise theron <laughs> she just 
pours out. She's the fairest of them all, right? Uh, hey, you know what's a really good look? Gold leaf eyeshadow up to your hairline. The rest of her outfit is so mediocre compared to everything that came before. But the eyeshadow's a good look. I wish that crown didn't look so freaking cheap, though. What's really great is that when Freya's like, hey, why are you here? Ravenna's like, you asked a question. The mirror has answered. It's like the best stealth burn of this movie. And Freya's like, aren't you supposed to be dead? And Charlize Theron's like, I was in the mirror. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I left my body. I went into the mirror and there I stayed. I became a part of it. Don't ask any questions. Let's kill Snow White. With your army. That is now my army. But it's your army still, yes. Yeah, it's like some classic older sibling shit. Yeah. Oh, I just want to guide you, but also this is my army and you have to do what I tell you to. We're siblings. We should share everything. Like, you borrowed my dress. I borrow your army. It's fair. Then we cut to uh, Eric and the two dwarves standing on a cliff overlooking the ominous fortress. Okay, okay, this scene though. <laughs> Eric is still riding the high of almost dying. Yeah, so the dwarves are like, do you have a plan? Yeah. Is it any good? No. <laughs> I respect that. So the dwarves sneak in by pretending to be children and it doesn't work. Because Griff has a full beard. Can I ask where this particular soldier got a wolf hat? Because nobody else has a wolf hat. Does everyone hate him for it? Like, oh, there's fucking Jimmy with his fucking wolf hat. What a douche. Is it like the huntsmen have like tears like Boy Scouts? Is this just his persona? So it's basically like, it's them getting led into the fortress, and then it cuts to them having knocked him out. Meanwhile, Eric is really gonna try and Assassin's Creed his way into this f***ing fortress. And not well. We have several scenes with the dwarves, and they are intercut with Chris Hemsworth just badly climbing. And he lands on the roof finally, and just kind of lies there for a second and says, this is the worst plan ever. With a smile on his face. He's having a great time. So he, like, alley-oops into a window or something and gets stopped by another huntsman. Hey, remember that girl from the start of the movie? Guess what's the only thing that really gets a callback? Is this in the extended edition? I believe so, yes. I didn't even get to see this. And then we cut to Freya delivering a speech to the huntsman, and she's having a real hard time with this speech. All of her public speaking has just gone right out the window. Yeah, I think it's implying that she doesn't want to send her kids off to an impossible war, but also, like, I don't know. She's like, today you will face an army of men who have never lost a war. Who is she talking about? I think it's the Snow White's army, but also Snow White's army has known defeat a whole bunch. They were a ragtag resistance fighter band until, like, what, six months ago? So as the speech is happening, Eric is up on a balcony with a crossbow. Freya stops in the middle of her speech and then just like whispers, for I am queen, and then shouts, for I am queen. And I don't know what that's supposed to be. I don't know what's going on with the scene. But Chris Hemsworth like aims a crossbow, fires it at Freya, and then Ravenna, who has not been there at all, catches it in midair and turns him and is like, hello, Eric, like she knew his name. She only ever called him Huntsman. No one his name that's just a hand wave that's why they keep saying it so much remember they've established it it was a thing in the first movie it wasn't just trust us it was sarah immediately after the whole hello eric thing tries to stab freya and then freya's like why charlie's theron gets like uncomfortably close to her and it's like why they're in love and like i feel like sarah has decent motivation to try and kill freya even if she weren't in love with eric Pretty much everyone in this room does. Yeah. But it's good to see that of the things that are consistent from the last movie, Ravenna's weird erotic sibling vibes is one of them. Yeah, she does like the really 
close talking, the like weird pacing around Freya and like definitely speaking with like the evil seduction voice that you would use for like, I don't know, the good guy. Anyway, Eric's getting dragged through the crowd of huntsmen constantly appealing to them. It's like, hey, didn't your parents love you? Love is real, right? He's going to spend the rest of the movie talking about how love is real. So buckle in. They hoist him up and he's like, tall, tall, what are you doing? Tall, you're in the movie again. And tall's like, I don't have that many lines. Stand with me, tall. Meanwhile, Ravenna's like, oh, love doesn't save your life. I should know. I've been dead before, which is just a nonsense line. (laughs) (laughs) What a f***ing line. Is that the implication that she really, really wanted to get with Snow White? I think that's what this line is implying by accident. (laughs) Well, now more things happen. (laughs) There's a whole big moment between Eric and Sarah where it's like, oh, we're about to be executed, but we love each other. This was done better in that scene from Xena. They bring back the whole stand or fall line. Then Tall cuts their chains because of course he does. Yay, Tall! Tall doesn't have that many lines, but he's here, goddammit. And Ravenna has tentacles now. (laughs) It's a mirror tentacle? What the Where's the bird thing? She's just indiscriminately killing Huntsman. Yeah, she's like, nothing can save you, Huntsman. All that's left is pain. And it's like, she's definitely saying Huntsman singular, but she's talking to a room full of Huntsman. Freya's like, no, enough. Stop hurting my babies. That throws up this big fucking ice wall. I guess Freya's good now. She's at least possessive at this point. And then she demands to know what Ravenna's been ominously talking about with regards to, hey, I'm the one who gave you your power. I'm the one who killed all the weakness inside of you. Take a guess. What happened? Take a guess. Think about this for five seconds. If your guess is that Ravenna mind-controlled Merlin guy into killing the baby, congratulations, you win a no prize. Mind control. I guess she had mind control powers. Also, what the f*** was she wearing when she did the mind control? It was like a face mask and like a cowl, but with like gigantic eyelashes. I have no idea what that outfit was. It was like some kind of weird Phantom of the Opera riff. It's like a Lady Gaga costume. Hey, you know how in the last movie... It took the whole Ferris of the Mall thing to a different level where it was like, hey, Snow White's a threat because she's destined to destroy Ravenna and not because she's going to be prettier than Ravenna. Yeah, they just scrub that entirely and Ravenna kills this baby because it's going to grow up to be prettier than her. Yeah, yeah. Like Ravenna gets even weirder in the last five minutes of this movie. And I'm saying that while she's already got like tentacles. It gets weirder. Uh, so the Huntsmen spend an inordinately long time climbing this freaking ice wall only for it to collapse under them when Ravenna stabs Freya with a tentacle. I quite enjoyed that part, actually. It's just like, they're getting to the top. They're doing their best. Oh, f***. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, meanwhile, is doing these really cool parkour moves to try and, like, get a decent vantage point so she can stab Ravenna, and it accomplishes exactly nothing. Well, I like the fact that she got up to the top area, and I thought to myself, couldn't they have left the room and gone up the stairs? And then... (laughs) Instead of climbing this freaking ice wall. Well, it's like in an open world video game. Clearly, the straightest path is the fastest, even though it goes up an entire mountain and through a cave. Gotta go fast. Ravenna now has black lipstick and like... Goo dripping from her mouth. Yeah, and then it turns out that all Ravenna wanted was a child and love. What? What? Excuse me? She wanted a baby? Excuse me? But these things are not for us. You can get a baby if you stop killing your husband. (laughs) Or you could adopt. You had a stepdaughter. You locked her in a tower. Just steal a baby. Yeah, just steal a baby. There's so many babies you can steal. You're queen. Advice from I Will Fight You. Just steal a baby. (laughs) 
Anyway, Eric decides he's going to get in a fist fight with Ravenna. He's like, do you still believe that love conquers all huntsmen? And he's like, well, maybe just you. He actually lands a few hits on her, which is interesting because like you don't usually see women getting punched in the face in movies like this, but it doesn't really do much. And then Eric only wins because Freya manages to freeze the mirror so it can be shattered. Eric wins exactly one fight in this whole movie on his own merits, and it's against a single goblin. And then as Freya's dying, she looks over to the uh, ice crib and sees a vision of herself with her baby. (sighs) You know, at least they don't make out over Freya's corpse like they did in Ella Enchanted. I mean, they almost do. They embrace and Freya's like, how lucky you are. Uh, and then everybody gets unfrozen. Yay! Considering the frozen Merlin guy got shattered, I guess whatever's left of him looks like stew beef now. Ew. <laughs> Liam Neeson's back. Even buried under ice and snow, love survives. Was that the theme of the movie? I'm not sure. I'm Liam Neeson. The adorable idiots get to kiss and Mrs. Bromwin and Griff make out and it's terrible. I will say that she pulls a beard hair out of her mouth, which speaks to me on a deep and horrible level. <laughs> And then we get a threequel tease for, like, no reason? Yeah, what the fuck? I didn't get the post credit stinger. So, like, first off, right before they do the the end, there's, like, a golden bird that's, like, mirror colored that flies up into the heavens. And they're like, some fairy tales do come true, but none ever truly end. The end. And then... After the credits, after the whole credits. There's like a scene where a woman is standing on a balcony and the freaking gold bird lands. And I don't know, is this supposed to be Snow White? Is this a third sister we didn't know about? It's Cinderella. (laughs) Also, I like how they couldn't get Florence for the sequel, so they got Halsey instead. (laughs) Budget Florence? Halsey. Florence, but cheaper. (laughs) Put that on the CD cover. Like I said, I did watch the gag reel here. And let me tell you, most of the gag reel is we have to wait for this airplane to clear the shot. (laughs) right next to an airport or what but like fully half of the gag reel is i say a line and then oh wait should we wait for that we should probably wait for that but i'll tell you what at least everybody seemed like they were having fun anyway that's the movie you guys that sure did happen 2015 2016 is right around the time people realized that you could actually give chris hemsworth a personality in movies and he was actually kind of funny this movie is sort of like an intermittent stepping stone between snow white and the huntsman where he's just grim and angry all the time and thor ragnarok this is like the missing link between those two movies chris hemsworth has an incredible like sense of timing and comedy like he's actually just a very funny person and yet they kept trying to make him off really freaking dramatic like even the first two Thor movies, I don't remember what his personality actually was. It wasn't particularly good. I actually haven't seen the first two Thor movies. I've only seen Ragnarok, and I'm probably going to keep it that way. So as far as you're concerned, that's just how Thor be. Mmm. That's good. I envy that. So yeah, you gotta let Chris Hemsworth be charming, because you actually get some decent results out of it. He's a good goof. He's like a big dog. He's excited to be here. So hopefully we have convinced you that Chris Hemsworth does in fact need to be charming. God damn it. Please, please, please. I don't want to have to watch Winter 4 again. So I think it's time for our final facts. Kit, what's your final fact? This movie is carried entirely on Chris Hemsworth's dumb smile and Jessica Chastain's extraordinarily good acting. Dimly, what's your final fact? Watching this movie, and I also watched the first one, has made me realize I really hate movies. I don't like them. They're very bad. (laughs) And and I want to go see Spider-Verse again. Because animated movies are still okay. I still haven't seen that one, but that's because my mom's not thirsty for Jake Johnson and my movie going is entirely dictated by mom thirst. I've seen Aquaman twice. (laughs) Annie, what's your final fact? Go watch Thor Ragnarok. (laughs) 
talks great. And then we can just ignore everything else in the Marvel Cinematic Universe if we feel like it. Dimly, thank you so much for coming on with us today. At the last minute, no less. It was very kind of you to volunteer. Where can people find you if they want to see the stuff that you're into? My Twitter is um, Mahoscream. So M-A-H-O-U-S-C-R-E-A-M. Also, I have my Let's Play channel, which we're going to actually start using again. Yay! And that's Witch Planet, youtube.com slash C slash Witch Planet Games, because we got that before they stopped allowing you to do that. I will fight you. That's the podcast. This one is not the other stuff. <laughs> you sure it's not date me, damn it? It might be. It comes out every three weeks, wherever you download podcasts. And you can find us on our brand new website at crookedrussiancamp.horse. <laughs> We also have crookedrussiancam.com, but we really wanted crookedrussiancam.horse. And you know what? We need to treat ourselves sometimes. And .horse was available. If you want to support us, uh, a like, rating, review, comment, subscribe, or if you find our podcast, is always super helpful. If you want to support us with dollars, which is also helpful, you can do that at patreon.com slash thegemjam. Yes, that one is staying the same. Join us next time when we'll have another spectacular and extremely true fact for you. You'll find out what it is later. Maybe it's Garzy's wing. Who knows for sure? Until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm not Mac. And we have fought you. Uh-huh.